Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Thanks to our mysterious patrons, we passed another Patreon supporter goal. Thank you, Patreons. And now, as a reward, we're listening to The Indestructible Mike Matter, a five-part serial from yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar debuted on CBS December 8, 1949. Described as America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar narrated each story in the form of an action-packed expense account. Although it's hard to imagine now, Dollar came very close to signing his famous expense account with a different name. According to the audition script, the show was originally titled Yours Truly, Lloyd London a not-so-subtle nod to the real-world insurance company Lloyd's of London. At the last second, CBS decided to avoid potential issues and change the character's name to something less litigious. Many actors portrayed Johnny Dollar over the program's 12-year run. The very first actor was singer Dick Powell. He recorded the show's pilot episode, but turned down the role in favor of the lead in Richard Diamond, private detective. CBS cast Charles Russell in his place. Russell's performance was modeled after the tough, wisecracking detectives that were immensely popular at the time. This early version of Johnny Dollar justified his last name by frequently tossing silver dollar tips to waiters, bellhops, and other deserving functionaries. Charles Russell left the show in January of 1950, allowing film star Edmund O'Brien to step into the role. At the time, O'Brien was best known for his work in film noir thrillers such as The Killers, White Heat, and DOA. Not surprisingly, O'Brien brought an intensity and hard-boiled edge to Johnny Dollar. After a two-year stint, O'Brien moved on to concentrate on his film career. The next Johnny Dollar was radio and screen actor John Lund. Lund had previously starred in the radio series Chaplin Jim and appeared alongside big-name Hollywood stars in a string of successful films, including To Each His Own with Olivia de Havilland, A Foreign Affair with Marlena Dietrich, and My Friend Irma with two up-and-coming comedians named Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Lund's performance was in keeping with O'Brien's, and the show continued with a similar tone and format until its cancellation in 1954. But that's not the end of the story. A year later, CBS revived Yours Truly Johnny Dollar with a new star, Bob Bailey, best known for his portrayal of George Valentine in the comedy-turned-detective series Let George Do It. Bailey's performance retained the toughness of his predecessors, but tempered it with moments of emotional vulnerability and genuine concern for people in need. At the same time, CBS also changed the show's format from 30-minute standalone stories to multi-part serials. Dollar's cases were now broadcast five days a week in 15-minute episodes. CBS hired Jack Johnstone as head writer and director. Johnstone developed his serialized storytelling skills while working on The Adventures of Superman and perfected them on Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Freed from the constraints of the 30-minute detective story, Johnstone and his writers were able to use the extended runtime to develop complex plots and characters, distinguishing Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar from other more formulaic detective shows. Today, most old-time radio fans acknowledge this run of serialized stories as not just the best of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, but some of the best detective stories ever produced for radio. 
Despite the program's critical success, production costs for a five-day-a-week series proved too much for the network's ever-shrinking radio budget. In November 1956, after airing 55 serials in total, 53 five-part, one seven-part, and one nine-part, CBS returned the program to its original once-a-week 30-minute format. Bailey and Johnstone remained with the show, but the writing was on the wall. The days of dramatic radio were coming to an end. In 1960, as a further cost-saving measure, CBS moved production of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, along with the significantly scaled-back version of Suspense, from Hollywood to New York. Bailey bowed out, preferring to stay in California. He was replaced briefly by former child star Bob Reddick, and later by New York radio actor Mandel Kramer. The final episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, The Tip-Off Matter, aired September 30th, 1962, followed immediately by the final broadcast of Suspense. And so the golden age of radio ended. But let's not dwell on that. Instead, let's return to the glory days of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Today, we present part one of a special five-part podcast featuring the entirety of the indestructible Mike Matter. We will release one episode a day for the next five days, allowing you to enjoy the story in its original serialized format. In a departure from our usual recording process, all three of us are listening to this story for the first time. Not only that, we're listening to it together and recording our thoughts immediately after hearing each episode. In this way, you'll get our real-time reactions to the story's cliffhangers, plot twists, and final resolution. So now let's listen to part one of The Indestructible Mike Matter. From yours truly, Johnny Dollar, first aired June 4th, 1956. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny, Universal Adjustment Bureau. Oh, no. (laughs) How are you, boy? Terrible. Goodbye. Huh? Johnny, what's the matter? Well, the last one you handed me was that phony spiritualist case, and it's still haunting me. (laughs) Before that, it was Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscope. Oh, you made money on him, didn't you? Yeah, I nearly lost my mind. Well, all right, I've got one for you now that'll surely make you lose your mind. Johnny, come on over, huh? Uh, Okay. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Lakeside Life and Casualty Insurance Company. Following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the indestructible Mike matter. Expense account item one, 80 cents, cab fare from my apartment to the office of Pat McCracken at Universal Adjustment Bureau. Every one of the cases Pat had handed me lately had been rough. And if it weren't for the loot involved, which is to say Pat never really cracked down on my expense accounts... Well, after all, I didn't have any other cases pending, so... Hi, Johnny. Hey, you're looking great. (laughs) Sit down, huh? Cigarette? Or would you like a drink? Well, how are you, boy? Okay, Pat, let's have it. This one must really be bad. Why, Johnny, what makes you say a thing like that? 
You sure you wouldn't like just one little one? No, 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 thanks. Right. Now, come on, let's get to the point. What are you trying to get out of paying off on this time? <laughs> you want the truth, Johnny? Nothing. Nothing at all. Just a favor for a friend of mine down in New York. Yeah, who? I want you to go down and see Peter Branson. Branson? Any relation to that worrywart Harry Branson of Philly Mutual? Well, his brother. Whoops. Get yourself another boy, No, 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 Johnny. Johnny, he's as different from Harry as day is from night. Well, he better be. That literal-minded sticking to mud Harry nearly drove me crazy on those two cases I handled for him. Pete is different as day is from night, honest. Now, will you see him? Expense account item two, 21 even. Train fare and all the incidentals I could think of. Hartford to New York. Item three, 55 cents, taxi from Grand Central to Peter Branson's Lakeside Life and Casualty offices at 505th Avenue, where my worst fears were justified. That is correct, Mr. Dollar. I am not only Harry's brother. Don't tell me. You're his twin. Why, yes. How could you have guessed it? Oh, but now, wait a minute. Did you say you took a taxi for the three blocks over from the station? Yep. At least that's what goes on the expense account. Oh, dear, my brother was right. You are expensive, and yet he seems to have the utmost confidence in your ability. Yeah, but now the I... amazing way in which you settled that Harry, case... uh, Pete. Yes? What's the case that's bothering you? Isn't that interesting? I don't know yet. Tell me about it. I mean, you're starting to call me Harry because of my twin. Oh, yeah. Better tell me about the case. You know, a great many of our mutual friends... What? Oh, oh, yes, of course. Michael Jeremiah Flynn, a terribly serious matter. If this sort of thing ever gets out of hand... Who's Flynn? John, he is a bum. Aren't we all? A regular, typical, movie-type version of a Bowery bum. So? And unfortunately, he holds a $50,000 policy. Well, he must have seen better days to carry that much insurance. Never? Never, I'm sure of it. No human being could degenerate to such a state in a mere 47 years. And he looks and sounds like 67. Also, by the way, his policy is only two months old. Well, what's happened? Somebody knocked him off? No, but I am sure somebody's going to. Well, then why did you insure him? It was Martha who was really responsible. Who's she? Martha Ingersoll, the girl I had working for me here in the office at the time he applied for the policy. I was out sick for a couple of weeks, and I'm afraid that when I came back, I did not pay sufficient attention to the application she'd accepted. At least so far as Flynn's policy is concerned. You better tell me about it. Oh, of course, he passed his medical all right, though heaven knows how... And his cash payment of the premium was all cash. right. Yes, yes, cash. But I still should have investigated myself before allowing the policy to be issued. Look, you still haven't told me what's wrong. Now, with of that. course, it's too late. Pete. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, of course. Well, it's simply this. The home address that we have for him has turned out to be the Glad Hand Rescue Mission just off Fulton Street near the Fulton Market. Yeah, biggest fish market in the world, isn't it? Why, well, yes, yes. A fascinating place. Ships loaded with fish from all the seven seas. Colorful characters speaking a dozen different tongues. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sorry I interrupted what you were saying oh, about Oh, that's Michael. all right. That's all right. I'm quite a connoisseur of seafood, you know. Real epicure, if I do say so. Have you ever tasted Boston Scrod? Yeah, sure. Uh, now, let's get back to the case. Oh, oh, yes, Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn, that's right. Well, Mr. Dollar, John... It's simply because of what's happened before that I'm so worried about this one. After all, 50000 is a sizable policy. And what has happened before? The same thing. So you can see. Harry, uh, Pete, I can't see a thing. John, it's like the Angus Cormac matter back in 47, like the old Mother McCrary affair that happened. Trying to tie Peter Branson down to the facts of the case was exactly like trying to tie his brother Harry down, only more so. I had to keep reminding myself that all of Harry's assignments had paid off handsomely for me and keep hoping the same would be true of his brother. Three separate times in the next 15 minutes, Pete launched forth on the Epicurean delights of seafood. And three times I vainly tried to steer him back to port. 
Finally, I threatened to walk out on him unless he got down to business. All right. All right, John, I'll give it to you in black and white. Oh, not literally, of course. I mean, I'll tell you from the beginning. boy. Now, four times within the past few years, this very same sort of policy has been issued. To some penniless, worthless bum. Yes, and everything has indicated fraud. How do you mean? In only one case, were the police able to prove anything, the case of Maggie Dolly Varden Smith. Oh, yeah. Seems to me I remember that. Some racketeer ex-bootlegger. Correct. There. Candy Kid yeah. Schultz. Yeah. He insured the old derelict for twenty, thirty thousand dollars had himself named beneficiary. That is correct. And then he had old Maggie murdered. Of course you remember. And you think you've got the same sort of a situation here? Yes, John. I'm afraid so. And you can't cancel the policy unless there's proof of an attempt at fraud. Correct. So you can see why I'm so deeply concerned over this. Oh, if only I hadn't left Martha Ingersoll in charge while I was sick. Whose name is Beneficiary in the policy? Well, she did sell some good policies. What? Hmm? Beneficiary. Oh, yes. Uh, here, here it is. Uh, John Wesley Cosgrave, 621 East 49th Street here in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. What do you know about him? Nothing, really. And frankly, I'm afraid to find out. John? Yeah, yeah, I'll look into it. And what's the address of this rescue mission where old Michael hangs out? It's down near the big Fulton Fish Market. Uh, let me see. Here, why don't you give me that whole folder so I can get what I want from it? Of course, John. But I am sorely afraid there isn't much to get. I'm sorely afraid Peter was right. Fine, I had to start somewhere. Item 4280, taxi back to Grand Central to pick up the bags I'd parked there in the same taxi to a slightly dingy little hotel a couple of blocks off Chambers Street on the Lower East Side. Item 5, $9.83 to a second-hand clothing store where I outfitted myself in hat, coat, pants, shirt, shoes, and socks that I hoped would make me eligible for a spot on the bench at the Glad Hand Rescue Mission. When I finally shuffled into the place, which looked more like a cheap flop house than a mission, I felt somewhat like a kid playing tramp at Halloween. Welcome, brother. Welcome to the mission. I'm Daddy Bill. Hi. The entrance to the soup kitchen is over at the side, you know. Yeah, well, I I just want to sit down for a spell, rest my feet. And have you a bed for the night, brother? Oh, who knows? I'll make out. Well, there's always room for one more, you know. Will you be here for our meeting tonight? Well, uh, I don't know. You have an excellent singing voice, I can tell. Are you sure you don't want something to eat, my boy? No, no, I'm all right. Well, then, just sit and be comfortable and we can talk. I, uh, I kind of hope maybe I might run into Mike. Mike. Flynn. Oh, yes, of course. Michael lives here. Spends most of his evenings with us, poor fellow. Although I really shouldn't say that. Huh? Say what? Poor fellow. After all, he's also one of our biggest contributors, too, when he's sober. Although where his money comes from, I'll never know. Yeah, well... Although I'm sure it's money honestly gained. Michael's very religious. He's taken the pledge many times, many. Has a lot of money now and then, huh? Yes. He seemed to think he might have a contribution for us when he comes back tonight. But you don't know where he gets it. My boy, I never ask these personal things of the brothers. Now tell me all about you. You're from out of town, aren't you? I can tell. This was something I hadn't anticipated, and I had to rack my brain to come up with a story that would convince Daddy Bill I was a bum. When I could get a word in edgewise, that is. And a kindly, gabby old biddy proceeded to tell me in minute detail the life history of all of the habitues of his mission. All, that is, except the one I was interested in, Mike Flynn. Maybe he was suspicious of me. 
Afraid I might be trying to get my hands on some of the money old Mike frequently showed up with. Generous in the extreme, John. That's why I feel I must protect him from some of the people who come in here and might try to take advantage of him. Sure, Daddy, you're right. Responsibility for the care and welfare of the brothers weighs heavily upon me sometimes, but it's a burden I'm glad to bear. Yeah, well... Feed um... their stomachs and feed their souls. That is my task. You say you think... And as I say, it's a task I'm privileged to assume. After all, whom else have they to lean on? You think... Mike will be back here tonight? Oh, yes, John, I'm sure he will. Oh, but listen. Hmm? The quartet in the, well, we call it in the music room. Can you hear them? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're getting ready for the meeting tonight. Aren't they wonderful? Beautiful voices. Yeah, they ain't bad at that. You're sure you won't join them? Oh, no, I, uh, <clears throat> some other time, huh? Now, when well, Mike... whatever you say, but if you're going to stay here long, my boy, with that wonderful voice of yours, I can tell. I will insist that you join one of our singing groups. Yeah, Bob Mike again. Oh, dear, did you hear that? Someone hit a sound note. Poor boys, they just can't get along without my help. You'll just have to excuse me, John, mm. while I go back there and lead for them. I'll come back later. We'll talk. the overuse of steam heat in the battered old assembly hall of the mission or having listened to two solid hours of Daddy Bill's talk about his boys. Whatever it was, I was tired. And since I had nothing better to do than wait for Mike Flynn to show up, I, I stretched out on one of the hard benches and closed my eyes. How long I slept, I haven't the least idea. I'd managed to conjure up a mighty sweet dream, too. Bill! What? Daddy, Bill! What? What? Where? Where? Oh, oh, there. Hold it, fella. Hey, you've had a couple too many. Yes, I guess I had a bill. He's out back working with a quartet now. Come on over here and lie down. Yes, I guess old Michael. Michael Michael Jeremiah Flynn, sir. Mike. And I guess, I guess, I guess I have had a couple. A couple too many was right, but not of what I'd thought. His tattered coat opened as he fell, and there, just below the heart, two dark red splotches slowly widened on his ragged shirt. And it looked like Peter Branson was right. The beneficiary of Michael Jeremiah Flynn's life insurance policy was anxious to collect. was episode one of yours truly johnny dollar and the indestructible mike matter here on the mysterious old radio listening society podcast once again i'm eric i'm tim and i'm joshua and this is a special episode this is actually five episodes as one as this is episode 148 but we're dividing it up into five parts of johnny dollar and that's number one we're going to do one a day you learned all that at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're all sleeping over at Eric's house and waking up first thing in the morning and recording <laughs> and then releasing. <laughs> I wish. My uh, history with Johnny Dollar is really odd. I didn't know anything about it uh, other than your intro that you wrote for this taught me pretty much everything I ever knew. However, YouTube seems to think that I need to be listening to Johnny Dollar. You do. And it keeps popping up <laughs> and. 
I'll pick something else, right? You know, I'll, I'll listen to this and I'm falling asleep and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm listening to Johnny Dollar. Like it rolls into one. And so I've heard about five episodes in the last six months because of YouTube where I'm like, okay, fine. Not any of these serialized ones, the earlier ones. Some of them were fine. And I'll never forget the moment I realized, is this guy some kind of insurance agent or something? Like I didn't understand the premise of the whole thing. And I was like, what is really, going you've on? You've only not... recently listened to Johnny Dollar yeah, for the first time? I just didn't even know the premise. As soon as I heard the intro in college with the man with the action-packed expense account, I was like, <laughs> I am on board. <laughs> well, this is my favorite. America's favorite freelance insurance investigator. Yeah. Isn't that what he's called? Because at one point, they all voted on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And he won. I want that plaque in my house. <laughs> and I should also say at the top that this particular episode was chosen by some listeners on Facebook. We picked about five of the most popular suggestions and put out a poll, and this one won. Johnny Dollar is unusual for me that I've never heard any episodes, but I listened to a Wall Breakers uh, friends of the podcast. Yes. I uh, had a special about yours truly, Johnny Dollar, so I learned a lot about it without ever having heard the actual content. We'll put a link to that documentary because it's a really good one. I've heard it too. Um, because, as you guys know, sometimes I got to listen to things twice. And we're not doing that. We're listening to these live. We are recording literally seconds after hearing that and sitting in the same room, which is also weird. I've never watched you guys listen. Yeah. I and, take my pants off. I didn't right. warn you. That's how I listen to old time radio. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got a, a special hat. <laughs> Walking the dog, mowing the lawn. Right. So uh, because of that... <sighs> I got a little lost at the beginning, so, so please just catch me up on the this plot. Is great. This because... is like in real time being in Eric's head. Right. <laughs> it's terrible, because now I can't go back and go, wait, what? Which is what I do. So somebody comes in, please just tell me what happened. <laughs> well, I, I will, because this is part of my initial reaction is like, wow, there's a lot of entertaining, compelling tap dancing happening at the beginning here. That's yeah. Sort of like... So he got a call, I guess, from McCracken, someone he works for frequently. And I recognize at least one of those cases from an oh. earlier serial. So I think... Phony spiritualist case? Uh, the Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscope Matter. That oh. is one that I have heard before. So I think these characters are recurring characters. And we, again, if we were listening to this in a different way, we would have done this research and <laughs> known. <laughs> I had a high amount of anxiety today Just thinking going I should listen to this ahead of time and find out all this information. <laughs> I had a real OCD moment. <laughs> <laughs> so he's an insurance fraud investigator, correct? To give you a little bit of fascinating background from the uh, Wallbreakers documentary, this, I, I believe, never had a sponsor but was paid for by insurance companies because it basically instructs the public of these are insurance frauds that people do. Now that you know this, don't fall for it. Oh. So it's just an investment in educating the public about insurance fraud. Wow. Oh, wait. <laughs> I, <laughs> On paper, doesn't that sound horrifyingly boring? That sounds like someone paying for you to make your radio show, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what happens? This guy calls and says, I got a right. case for you. So I guess a frequent uh, employer of his has referring him to a twin brother of someone he has worked for before. I think I recognize the actor as Harry Bartell. I could be wrong. Having no background in the series, this is all like, wow, that's fascinating exposition that I fear will never come to anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
like it's two cab rides in and two employers, and it's just almost getting to the actual story. That's kind of where I was at. Like, there's a lot of things going on that I don't think matter until we got to the mission where he was playing a hobo and looking for a guy. Then I started to follow along. All that being said, that was highly entertaining. Like, their patter is first rate. Yes, absolutely. And and, and real. this is what the serials have time for is to make references to other episodes, which you don't hear a lot in old time radio. So he goes and visits this guy and he's just very easily distracted by fish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he has a really hard time getting the story out of him, which is, by the way, what? What is the story? What's the fraud? What's going on? Someone has been insuring very unhealthy, sickly hobos and making themselves the beneficiary and oh. either just expecting them to drop dead of alcoholism or as we heard in the cliffhanger possibly murdering them to collect and, the and it got by him because money. he was away for the week and so one of them got by him or all of them from this woman that he hired is there more than I don't one know it was distinctly mentioned but at least this one happened this has been a fraud that has been going around and he is saying he would have never insured this guy clearly this is a plot hole they're trying to work around like you know if we know this is a problem why would you insure this guy so they come up with the contrivance of uh, his secretary did it while he was gone so she's uh, (laughs) so she's obviously guilty she's part of this scam and plot could be I haven't heard the rest of this, which is causing me great anxiety. (laughs) So like the next four episodes are just like, yeah, she did it. (laughs) Where is she? I don't know. Tune in next week where we continue to look for that woman that used to work here. The lady who's getting (laughs) (laughs) $50,000. One of my favorite things in this first installment, though, is how glib Johnny Dollar is about padding his expense account. Oh, He's yeah, like, yeah, 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 these yeah. guys are idiots and it's been a pain in the butt, but they really don't question my expense no. account <laughs> at all. And the guy even goes, you took a cab three blocks? And he's like, yep. <laughs> Gonna say something about it, fish guy? <laughs> There's something that has to be coming about the guy being easily distracted and telling the story about the fish. Somehow his distraction is going to play into this. Maybe, but you're also listening to this from the perspective of the 30-minute episodes. With five 15-minute episodes, they have room to have just a character moment. Character moment. But in 30 minutes, that's always, oh, yeah. they had to get that in there, so that's a clue. And what it also does is allow you to get to know Johnny Dollar a little better, who like pads his expense account. You know, <laughs> it's why these serials are so beloved. That's so interesting. You're right. I have been programmed to catch things like that yeah. and go. That is obviously important. Otherwise, why put it in there? Yeah, and if it's not important, then it's a fault that it's there. Right. And it's more like a detective novel where it is making you think, are these all suspects? And then you meet the strange guy at the mission and is apparently into choir. Yeah. (laughs) And apparently Johnny Dollar is just annoyed and bored by everybody. He wants to get out of every single conversation and just get the job done. He really likes his voice. Yeah. I couldn't tell. (laughs) Like, do you have an uncanny sense of what people would sound like singing or are you desperate for people to be in this choir? (laughs) You just tell everybody. (laughs) The choir sounded pretty good to me in the background. I know. I did your sour note. Yeah, Johnny said the same thing. Yeah, that was pretty good. good word. Uh, and he just curled up in a mission somewhere in some ratty clothes and had a really good dream, apparently. <laughs> so, so far, everybody in his world is really unfocused. <laughs> you would fit in to... quite well in this Johnny Dollar serial. 
No, I wouldn't. I'd be like, hey, 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 hey. What are we talking about here? You'd be like, uh, tell me what I just said. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. So, right. That's what's going on. Thank you. That's what's happening. And then he has two red marks on his sleeve, the drunk guy. Is that what he said? No. <laughs> hey, 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 focus. I am. That's what I heard. Again, I would have gone back. his coat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Revealing two red marks on his chest. I didn't, on I his chest. Recall. I don't know that they said specifically, but coat would imply, unless he's wearing his coat on his legs, <laughs> that if he sees two red holes, the guy's been shot. He's okay. had a few too many, and then he realizes they weren't drinks. Presumably, they were bullets. And the guy had been in shot. In his chest. And keep in mind, this So he's is... drunk and shot. Yeah. yeah. And this is the guy who has been insured. Right. I get that. Uh, now. I have to say, though, that I love cliffhangers. I love that we go along and we have some humorous moments, meet a bunch of characters, and then it's just, guy walks in, shot. The end. <laughs> just love Would that Would you stuff. like to know how I feel about cliffhangers? How do you feel about them? I'll tell you at the next time. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I just walked right off that cliff. I'm over here going, what are you doing, Joshua? <laughs> He's obviously coming down Fifth you Avenue. see how proud of himself he is. <laughs> I knew there was something going on, but that's how much I love cliffhangers. <laughs> All right, well, I can't wait to listen to the next episode. Right. Until then... Let's go back to Bob Bailey. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, well, tomorrow there's proof that life is a very tenacious thing, even in the broken body of a Bowery bum. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey as transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. (laughs) 